Welcome to The Backdrop, untold stories in golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club, Matt Considine. Today, we have the second episode in our new series, what we're calling our member roundtables, in which we take a topic and we yuck it up amongst a roundtable of New Club's finest members. The first episode in this three-part series has us had us focused on East Lothian. Now, we head north to the place of gales where mountain ranges seem to split the sky and golf feels about as remote as it can get. We're talking about the Scottish Highlands. I have a fantastic trip planned here for us with today's special guests, Dan McCollum, Tim Swindle, Brian Ekstrom. Very excited to welcome these gentlemen to the show. Today's episode of The Backdrop would not be possible without our friends, and it's very fitting to have them sponsoring our Scottish member roundtable series, our friends and partners, Journeyman Distillery. Journeyman Distillery offers an extensive portfolio of handcrafted artisan spirits that have a true sense of place. They utilize all locally sourced Midwest organic grains and use unfiltered, untreated water from an underground aquifer in Three Oaks, Michigan. While whiskey is what Bill and Johanna Welter got started in their original passion, all their products have a special place in their heart. Experimentation, variety, and quality are what motivate them most. So stop by, check them out next time you're in the New Buffalo area, and visit their full line of spirits over at journeymandistillery.com. You'll also be able to see Bill and Johanna up at our summer medal this July, headed to Northern Michigan, Arcadia Bluffs, Forest Dunes, Kingsley Club, Belvedere. It's going to be a great time. Without further ado, on to the show. Tim Swindle, Dan McCollum, Brian Ekstrom, welcome to the bag drop. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, part two of the Scotland series, recapping our international fixture. We're talking about the Highlands. Uh, that's, let's get it started with the simple question. We did this on the first one. Give me one word that comes to mind to sum up, uh, your experience traveling around the Highlands, playing golf with this, this, uh, merry crew of gentlemen. Uh, Brian, let's start with you. Uh, this might be cheating. Maybe two words. I'm going to put a hyphen in it, make it one word, uh, eye opening. Tim. Views and Dan adventure. My word is going to be um, timeless. Timeless. So let's go back around. Brian, why did you pick? Uh, what did you pick? I didn't write it down. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I, I opening. It was uh, first first true links golf. First golf in Scotland. Right off, you know, right right off the plane, and uh, it was just. It, it truly, like, I think I had an expectation of what was going to happen to my perception of, of golf in America and, and what golf is, but it, it immediately, you know, I think opened my eyes to what golf could be, should be, uh, and, and, you know, reinforced things that I love about golf, but just opened, opened up my eyes to what, what golf could be. Tim, views. Why'd you, why'd you pick views? So, uh, the Highlands, there were a lot of, there's a lot of elevation change and a lot of vistas, a lot of, you know, um, you know, elevated tee boxes and things like that, where I just remember sitting up after like climbing up a lot, you know, a switchback, you know, I remember like at Cruden Bay on the back nine, you go up like a couple hundred feet, it felt like, but then you just get up there and you're just like, holy cow, the views to the ocean and to back towards the course and land. And then that just seemed to replicate itself. Royal Dornick, same thing, you know, just a ton of elevation change and really good views, you know, from everywhere. Dan adventure. Yeah. Um, really going off, off of a lot of what Tim was saying. Um, I, I think first it was an adventure to get up there. It was far from the airport and you really felt like you were out there. Um, but then each course was also, um, with the elevation, it felt like we were going on a bit of a hike and, um, you didn't know what was around the corner and, um, you know, whether it was going up over a dune or around a corner, you know, all of a sudden you get hit with these views and, um, it was, it was an adventure of, a of golf friends. Yeah. My, my, uh, my, my timeless, you know, I, I went my first instinct on it and I just felt like, um, you know, for, for me, 
uh, Dornick was kind of my pilgrimage for this trip. I think for a lot of us, the old course was right. And, and getting to the home of golf for me, I really have just geeked out for years on, on Royal Dornick. And I thought for sure, like getting up there, how's it going to live up to the hype and the expectation. But I think what I wasn't ready for was just that, that feel that, uh, you're in a really old place that has been this way for a long, long time. And, and the timelessness is actually like how, how the rhythms of golf work there and, and just like so ingrained in culture and everyone you meet, it's just golf is like part of that heartbeat. And uh, it has been since, you know, humans in Scotland were, uh, we're probably upright and moving around on two legs and swinging things, swinging crooked sticks. So it's just timeless was, was mine. Um, so, so, uh, the itinerary, well, before I get into the itinerary, I should probably do a slight intro who we got on the call. A lot of longtime members of new club, um, guys that haven't played a ton of golf together perhaps, but we, we certainly did on this trip or, uh, or I don't know if we we're in the same pods, but I played some good rounds with you guys got dusted in the finals by Tim. Well, it's still not happy about it, but, um, <laughs> I had nothing to do with that, by the way. <laughs> it was all John Blue. Yeah, but, you were, you were there at some critical moments. I was there. I was like, "What? How's he just show up all of a sudden? What's that about?" Uh, but you know, Tim Swindle, uh, entrepreneur extraordinaire. He's serial entrepreneur, perhaps. I don't know. Likes to create games from time to time. Brian Ekstrom, Mr. Palmer, the original Mr. Palmer, winner <laughs> of the Palmer Award, gentleman of the game, uh, uh, salesman, uh, uh, father, all, all kinds of good things. Uh, and then Dan McCollum uh, really ups the intellect of this call with his golf acumen. He is an architecture buff and, and a good player in his own right. So, mm-hmm. so that's who we're, we're talking with tonight. If you haven't met these guys, get game with them at some point, but, um, but let's go through the lineup. So the courses that we played, we played six courses in the Highlands. We played Cruden Bay was our first stop right off the boat. Uh, Castle Stewart for 36 holes, Royal Dornock, uh, Brora, Royal Dornock again. We had to go back and get a, another dip of that and, uh, Tane golf club and Nairn. So we played six courses. Um, I don't want to ask what your favorite was because I kind of want to go through these. So I, I guess I'm going to start with just what was your favorite part about Cruden Bay? That's kind of hit that one. I mean, I, I'll start with everyone told us to not add Cruden Bay from a logistical standpoint because they're like, all right, you're coming off the plane. Everyone's going to be traveling a ton. You're, you're driving three hours. You're playing golf for four. And then you got two more hours to get to where you need to go, you know, to play all the courses in the Highlands, staying in Inverness. Um I am so glad we did that. I didn't listen to people that said like, ah, it's logistically tough. Cause I, it blew me away. So what, what was your guys take of Cruden Bay? I'll go first if it's all right. Um, so I, I'm going to break your rule. I'm going to say that was my favorite of the trip. Um, and so, uh, but, but leading up to it, there was some drama because uh, as you might recall, I you know got to Scotland and my clubs didn't make it. And so here we are about to embark on this, you know, epic golf trip that has been three years in the making and I don't have my sticks. And so it went from like the lowest of lows um, and getting to the course, I'm having to rent clubs. So just kind of very nervous, you know, about playing in general. Um, And then ended up just having one of the most epic days uh, absolutely loved the course, loved everything about it, loved our caddy, loved the group we played with. Um, the course obviously was just spectacular, a nice mix of different things. You kind of go by a little seaside town to start, um, you know, reminded me a little bit of tobacco roadish with like some of the huge mounding all over the place. And then, you know, you're playing mostly inland in the first few holes and then back nine, you're, you're getting some ocean holes. Um, and then on top of that, I like played really well. So, you know, that always helps true or false, Tim, you tried to buy the driver that was in your, I, did. <laughs> I did, I didn't want my clubs, especially my driver to show up after the, after the round was done. Uh, unfortunately they would not uh, let me purchase it, but I'm still, I'm still in the market for a, uh, for the max or for the, uh, what is it? The M two, um, you, yeah, yeah, the tailor, the tailor made, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Taylor made uh, whatever one I played, but yeah, so big, big fan. Yeah, I, I, no, no, no one that I know of has ever been disappointed when their clubs finally arrived, but I felt like there was a twinge of disappointment <laughs> with you. <laughs> that was so funny. Uh, Dan, what, what was your takeaways from Cruden? Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget getting off the bus, um, turning the corner around the clubhouse and just having kind of the clubhouse up on a hill and kind of having the entire uh, first few and last few holes um, and some of the middle holes just open up right in front of you, the huge dunes. And um, especially coming from East Lothian where they don't have any of that, it was just like, wow, like we are in a new place. And um, it was a beautiful day. And it was like that that opening feeling I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah, Brian? Um, I mean, just I'll remember how for how epic in scale it was. It had so much character, so much nuance, little things, little touches like the 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 indicators uh, on the tee box of where the blind where the pins were located on blind shots where they had the little T where the, the pin placement was that day. And, um, you know, putting the names of the groups up on the the the, the you know dry erase board in the clubhouse of who was there today as a guest and just had little things that, uh, you know, I thought gave it such character and, and uniqueness versus anything else we played. Yeah. This was the, uh, the one that was a slow burn for me. Cause I think, you know, as one, the, the official organizer of the trip, you're kind of in, in modes of like, all right, we got to get this thing going. Like, this is the start. Do we have everything? Tim's losing his clubs. We, we need to, you know, people are switching groups already. It's just like a lot of the logistics. So it kind of was a blur to me, but my reflections have been so much more vivid of crude than a lot of other places. And it, for me, I have this like secret list of, uh, it's not secret because I talk about it plenty, um, spirit courses where they're not necessarily, you know, the best be all grandest golf or the most, you know, championship golf or the even, you know, architecturally the best golf. I think it is architecturally very, very good, I'm sure. But uh, just places that speak to me, man. And and it was wild and it had a lot, of, a lot of cork to it. So it's on my list of like spirit courses that I just, I identify with. And um, I, uh, two things came to mind. I remember playing with Brian uh, and, and Rich Height, one of the uh, senior statesmen in, in the entire group. He got hit by a golf ball, I just remembered on a tee box, which if you guys remember one of those blind shots, it, very rarely are you going to see a course that has two par threes back to back. How about uh, two par threes that are blind with right before it, a blind uh, approach shot into that par four. So you got three blind holes and, and they're the T's aren't that far, but rich got pegged by a ball on the second, whatever the second part three on that back was that just came to mind. And Dan, or Brian, you mentioned the white erase board. The people of Scotland are so, um, direct and, but yet welcoming. And I do remember seeing our names on, on the welcoming board, but I also remember on that board, they had they listed who the fisherman was for today's <laughs> catch. Yes, because Aberdeen is like a big fishing area, and I just was like, "That is, you're not going to see that at home, right?" Just so unique. Yeah, um, that's I don't know, just so much character. Uh, Castle Stewart. Let's jump to it. Uh, Castle Stewart was day two. We are all a bit more rested. We did 36 holes at Castle Stewart. They kind of give you. Um, uh, run of the course, it felt like, you know, for the, for the day, for our, our group. But um, what are some things that stuck with you from Castle Stewart? Uh, I'll start. It, it, it felt more, felt more upscale, felt more, more deliberate, uh, you know, intentional, modern, um, but was such a, you said it there, like it felt like we had our run of the place all day. You know, we didn't, you don't see many other groups out there. Um, every, every hole seems to overlook the, the first, uh, I mean, it was, it was, that was a special day. It was a lot of fun with perfect weather. Yeah. That was one of the best weather days of the trip for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it felt, uh, it felt very American, like it felt very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I loved it in the sense that it was just a spectacular track, um, 
you know, I mean, I, the weather played a lot into it, uh, but, you know, it was just, it was a lot of fun, but it just, it, it felt like I could tell that it was like modern, new, and that just kind of felt American. Everything, you know, like the clubhouse felt a little more American, whereas some of the other places were just like steeped in history. And that's part of what made them so cool. You know, this did not have that factor, but the course is spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, when you said views, the first thought that came to my mind was Castle Stewart, um, just really from that putting green, right? And then those mm-hmm. first three holes along the water, um, and then the first three holes in the back nine, same thing. Um, but yeah, I agree. It it just it's great golf course, right? And if I think if we weren't playing all these other old, interesting, quirky, different, unique golf courses on the trip, I probably would have a better view and thought of it. Um, but it just uh yeah, like for me, it just stuck out as different um, from the others and not that it was worse. Like I just, yeah, it, it's American and it's uh, it's a, it's unfortunate for for them, I think, that like a lot of people probably play it after playing all these other old unique courses. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll Dan, I don't know if you remember saying this, it, I think it was on the trip or on the bus or something, but uh, that you could take Castle Stewart and you could drop it at Bandon and it would totally be in the argument of, you know, the rankings of Bandon and what's your favorite. And that's what I felt about it too, is like, it's a Gil yeah. Hans. It's, it's very intentional. You know, every bit of it you can feel is like the architects trying to ask you questions. I think as an architect standpoint, like is the, the contrast of a modern course like that, um, where, where you do feel like the architect is trying to steer you around in a certain way. A lot of the other timeless courses and old courses that we played along with this one, a lot of those felt like by accident. You know, I can't imagine like, like Cruden, let's go back to it. Come on. Who's, who's designing some of those holes, right? Like, it's like, they just hit over these mounds. And I think, you know, there's the debate was Tom Morris super uh, uh, intentional or was he kind of, you know, stick green and stick where the T is and stick where the green is. And I, I felt like the old courses have that, but what it creates is like, more randomness, more, more just like different shots. Whereas, uh, I think the word familiar, you said, Tim, it just feels more familiar when, when it's done in a modern architect way. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, I I think that's fair. I mean, I I don't know the stats and like how much land they moved at Castle Stewart, you know, but obviously with a modern course, they can really make it exactly what they want it to be. Whereas something with the older courses, Cruden Bay, like those mounds are just there and they can't move them because they don't have machinery, you know? And then that's what ends up making that course quirky and cool and interesting um, because they had no choice, you know? Um, Good point. Even like the rumples and the fairways that just give you like weird quirky lies and um, kind of all of a sudden you just bounce into a weird spot because of the rumples in the fairway. I felt like Castle Stewart just didn't have as much of that. And it was more, um, you know, similar to newer and courses. So, and so good, right? Like just so good, but it's just, I think it, it goes to show how hard it really is to mimic that, um, that original stuff for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, it, but it probably would be my favorite course if it were abandoned. I'll be honest. I, I thought it was outstanding. The views are unbelievable. I didn't, when I, when I get into a match, I, I think I like to, focus in on the match. I love competing and I'm, I am glad we played Castle Tour a second time because, um, I was just having a couple drums of whiskey and, and letting it fly in the afternoon and, and, uh, much more taken in the views, which was like, uh, absolutely stunning. So Royal Dornuck, <clears throat> what are your impressions of Royal Dornuck? Dan, you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was one of the courses uh, similar to what you were saying earlier, Matt, uh, that I was most excited to play on this trip. And I uh, I thought it still blew away expectations. Like, I didn't realize the land was going to be so cool. And and the walk, as far as all the reveals, I think it's from the second to the third tee. Like, the whole – that middle part of the course just opens up. And then same thing when you get up to seven – T and same thing when you cross over the um like the little cliff edge on nine eight, eight I think it is um it was just kind of just keeps hitting you and it was like wow this place is 
awesome. And then we were super lucky, I thought, to play the course in completely different winds on back-to-back days. So I think the first day, the second hole of par three was like a, playing 200 yards. And the second day was playing like 140 or something like that. And we just got to see the course in two completely different styles. And it kind of makes more sense. It's like, oh, that bunker makes more sense today when it was way out of play yesterday. And um, it just, it's really cool. Cause like here we, you know, we have different winds and it plays, of course, it's play a little different, but not that different where it's dead into the wind one direction and then dead downwind the other direction. Brian, Royal Dornick. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad we got to play it twice. I played so bad the first day that we played it in perfect conditions. And I was probably in so many weird spots all day that I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't really get it. I don't see it. I don't, I don't get the hype. This place is cool. It feels cool, but I don't know. And then the second day in 30 mile an hour winds and like pouring rain in the last six holes, I was actually hitting the ball good. And I, I, I got to see the course from probably where you're supposed to see the course. Um, it, it, uh, playing it the day after Castle Stewart was interesting because well, we talked about Castle Stewart being very like manufactured and, and deliberate, uh, but like epic in scale and incredible views. This had the same like scale and incredible views, but felt so much uh, more a part of the fabric of the, the community, the country, you know, like it, it just felt more uh, like steeped in history. Like it, like it was obviously, but um, it had, it, it was, it was so much fun. Um, and one thing I will remember is the uh, the little fish shack down the road, down by the beach. Um, there was, you know, like you're, you're, all these courses, obviously, are on the ocean. Um, but our caddy, as we were walking off 18, recommended, he's like, go down, you know, over the ridge, go down to the beach, you know, 100 yards, and there's, you know, this little fish shack. And it was probably some of the best food. And we ate a lot of fish, a lot of fish and chips. <laughs> this is probably some of the best food we ate on the entire trip, was just this little community. And it just reinforces how much, these courses are are uh, a part of the community, and I think that's what Castle Stewart didn't have, uh, but but Dornick and, and many many others did that made them special places. That, by the way, was the find of the trip because here I am sitting on the bus with Scotland. <laughs> Scotland does a lot of things very well. They stink at sandwiches. And- <laughs> They, I, they just need to not call it a sandwich or, or maybe we have a different term for our sandwiches, but that's not a sandwich. You know, the one, like the thinnest line of Turkey you've ever seen with maybe some like couple shredded cheese things put on white bread, nothing else. And, and they, they do call that a sandwich. So I, um, I will, I was sitting there eating my little, what, what, what I guess is a sandwich. And Brian walks by with his beautiful plate of steaming hot fish and chips. And it looked incredible. I think there was like a lobster roll in somebody's plate. Oh, yeah. uh, very jealous of that. Tim, your, your impressions of Royal Dornick. Yeah. So this was outside of, um, uh, the old course, probably the one that had the most like work up, you know, in my mind, um, you know, for, the, for those of you that don't know, like my first job was uh, catting at the Dunes Club as a kid, uh, right when they had opened and kind of grew up with the Kaiser family. And so just knowing that Royal Dornick was like the inspiration, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, one of the biggest inspirations for, um, you know, Mike Kaiser building Bandon Dunes. Um, and then just seeing, you know, so many um, little Quirks like, for instance, not not having a driving range and just having the nets, and then you're like, oh, like that's maybe where he got that idea from. Like, you don't have to have a driving range, you know, to, to warm up on. Like, just give them some nets and get get them get warm, you know. Um, so that was kind of cool to kind of close that loop in my head of like, what is this place that he's always talking about that inspired him of Royal Dornick, where people droves of Americans get off the bus to, you know you know, go to the Northern part of Scotland. Right. I mean, I just, I've heard that story so many times and then to be that person and living that was, was pretty cool. Um, and then very similar to Brian, I am so glad we had to play it twice. The first time I just sucked. <laughs> so it just made for a not fun round for me. And I just was trying to enjoy it, but I just, I don't know. I, I probably the worst day I played of golf. Um, and so Got that driver's back. Cap- 
yeah, happy to have gotten the revenge the next day. And in general, I'm just one of those people like I need two times to play a course to really kind of like take it in. Like there's some folks that they can play a course and they'll be like, oh, remember like on the fourth hole where you're like, I hit that three wood. And it's like, nope, like they all kind of blur, you know? Uh, <laughs> and so having that second day to kind of relive and, you know, and, and appreciate more of the course uh, was really great. One thing that really stuck with me, um, I was just thinking about this and my caddy Vinny was one of my favorite caddies I had on the trip and um, was just the best. Um, so on the first hole, you know, talking to him and he's saying um, he, he was from Manchester, retired, probably like 65 years old, moved up to Dornick two years before. And he's just like, yeah, I moved up to Dornick with my wife. I live up the street two miles. I am a starter two days a week. I caddy two days a week. I golf two days a week. And I haven't wiped the smile off my face since I got here. And it was like, that was my introduction to him. Like, oh, we're going to have a good day. <laughs> uh, I, I, love that. I was going to share a, a caddy a memory as well, because our guys um, were, were buddies. You could tell. And, and uh, we were, we, it just happened to be a very competitive group. We had uh, John Ballou, you know, he's, he's a competitor. Everyone knows John in new club. He, he likes to compete and he's going to kick your ass if he can. Um, and, uh, Kyle Smith who likes to talk trash, but also uh, a deep competitor. And then Kevin Moore and I, who are old college roommates and ex uh, teammates. So there was a little bit of competitive fire and I think it was on hole three or four. Uh, I could tell my guy was a stick, right? He just said a couple of things. I'm like, wow, that is some nuanced golf shit right there. And I go, what do you play off? What do you play off? Barry? Barry's from South Africa, by the way. So very similar, Dan, he moved up there, uh, during the pandemic to, to do exactly what you're talking about him and his wife. And, uh, he's a plus something. And over there, that's legit. You know, our, our pluses aren't usually living up to our numbers like they do over there. But, um, he, uh, was the club champion. And when he said it, and he was very humble about it and quiet, he's like, yeah, you know, I got the club championship last year, played pretty well. And uh, the caddy behind him goes, yeah, how long, how, how much longer until I get that back? And so I'm like, okay, we got, we got the club champions in this group and they wow. had just played uh, inner club matches. So Royal Dornick just won some shield against all the other Highland courses the day before. So they're like, and, and, and when we finally all, they, they kind of figured out teams and figured out what the match was by the 17th hole, our caddies are screaming at each other. They're like really getting us into it, making sure we got the lay of the land down perfect. And it was, it was really cool that they were so invested. And I love when caddies over there, you know, cause they're members like here. It's so different other than the dunes club, Tim, I can't think of another place. You can have these types of caddy experiences, you know, maybe band and maybe some of the resorts, but where a member, a club champion is on your bag mm -hmm. carrying for you. It's just such a cool experience that, um, if you don't take caddies, when you go, it's fine. You, you know, nobody cares in Scotland. You, you don't have to take a caddy, but it, I, I always challenge people to just do it enough to, to get those perspectives of people. Cause one, they're usually really good. And then two, they just all have stories, man. And, and they really take a lot of pride in, in their courses and they just, their knowledge of their courses. Um, Royal Dornick, I thought was the best cat, both, both rounds, the best caddy experience I, uh, I may have ever had to be honest with you. Yeah. My, my favorite caddy was also at, at, at Dornick is local, uh, grew up there, member his whole life. Uh, what I'll remember about him the most, uh, hand rolling cigarettes, while carrying the bag one-handed in a 40 mile an hour wind. <laughs> Incredible. That's so good. That's so good. The, the other thing uh, that's come to mind on Roll Dark is I thought it was a lot harder than I anticipated. And I think Tim, a lot of my perception came that, um, you know, Mr. Kaiser loves it so much and, and the Kaisers, you know, used it as this great example of, of what success could look like for band and other places. But also I thought, I don't know because of that, because they're also big on playability. I mean, Dornick's playable. I don't think you could say it's that severe, but it's tough. You it's know, the, like it's a big boy course. Yeah. Big, yeah. It, it uh, felt more championship than, than I thought. I mean, maybe it doesn't stretch, but uh, I'm surprised there's not more. Um, I guess there's amateurs there and maybe the ladies and seniors are back there. I guess it's, it's more logistics probably for an open, but it feels like an open course to me. Like it could hold its own. 
Totally agree. It might not be long enough now, but I was kind of surprised playing it that it never hosted. And that's what caddies in our group said that they don't have the hotels and the infrastructure to host that many people, which that makes um, sense. It's probably a good thing for the course <laughs> that never got monkeyed with. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a challenging golf course. So moving on from Royal Dornick to Brora. In the afternoon, we played Royal Dornick in the morning and we went to straight to Brora. Who wants to kick us off with that? I don't know where to start with Brora. I, I, I want to retire to Brora, I think. Uh, that was, it was just such a, that played with Dan. It was great, great, great group, great match, uh, a lot of fun. Um, but it was just so serene, peaceful. The, the wind had died down. It was, you know, late in the day and you know, you're, you're out there in a cow, literal cow pasture. Um, it, but it was, it was such a peaceful, uh, afternoon and, and we just had a ton of fun out there. I, I think some of my favorite rounds on the trip overall were those afternoon rounds after you kind of play the, the, the championship test in the morning and you kind of geared up, you're playing a match, you're trying to play well. And then in the afternoon, you go play a place like Aurora or Kane that's just very no frills and the, the, the vibe rounds, you know, those, those were my favorite rounds of the trip, but I could, I could die a happy man playing Brora every day. <laughs> did, did anyone lose a ball at Brora? <laughs> Kyle might have. Kyle played the wrong hole one. I was uh, just going <laughs> one hole. <laughs> we get to the green and he's like, "Dude, I love this course. I have a caddy and still hit it at the wrong green." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's just true Scottish golf, right? Like, put some flags in a field and cut the greens down, let the sheep roam and the cows. Uh, did anyone have any interactions with livestock uh, during the round? Yeah. One of them was like on the tee box. There was a cow on the tee box um, that we had to kind of maneuver around. Um, and then, you know, as most folks listening probably know, they have those little fences with the electric wire around them. And we were messing around like daring people to touch it or not. And I, um, I didn't know I was basically resting up against it. like, what is that? Like, why is my knee like numbing right now? <laughs> and I was like resting against the electric fence. Uh, it's not, it's not bad or anything like that, but it's just like, yeah, they're, they're live. Um, and so, you know, the, the, just, I love that. They're like the little quirk, you know, having like an electric fence around a green. Like when I first heard about that, I was like, what? And, uh, and then, yeah, you just come upon these cows and there's sheep running around, like just vibes, man, just vibes. That was the vibiest round. It also, the, the wind kind of laid down that afternoon and it was just so peaceful. I mean, I felt like I was floating on clouds during that round. Dan, what, what sticks with you from Brora? Um, well, one story I was thinking of uh, with the cattle, uh, after Jim hit a shot on one of the holes in the front nine, I wouldn't say the cattle started charging him, but it, it definitely came <laughs> towards him and picked up speed at one point. And we all like kind of held our breath. And the caddy like walked right over to it, so he was not concerned. Yeah. Um, but we're like, ooh, like it's a they they're big. Yeah, um, and, and these are like, like Wisconsin dairy cows. These are like woolly mammoth cows. I they are very hairy, very hairy beasts. <laughs> couple horns, I, couple big horns. I was expecting the course to be more rugged than it was. Like, I mean, it was it was rugged a bit, but like it was some of the best firm turf and just like smooth greens that we played and that, that like made it even more awesome to play. And I, it just, it was awesome. Yeah. That part caught me off guard. I think it was an afternoon round where I'm like, I'm going to take a half set and just goof around. I know it was one of my worst scores of the round it, and it's not the hardest course, but I think part of it was like, don't underestimate, you know, don't, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. It's much more field golf. There's cows and sheep, but uh, I think those greens were maybe the best greens we putted on, honestly, like they were moving and very, very firm. And I had, I had a hard time chipping around there and getting the firmness, right. It was, uh, ah, it was just special. You can't vibes, I think is the word for, for Brora, mm -hmm. right? The one vibe that's, that stuck with me too. We're all having beers upstairs and, uh, you know, there was a group of members hanging out and they were coming over asking us where we're from, what do we think of the course, all the kind of same, same chatter, but I'm, I look out the window and they're making fun of a couple other members, but these members were four guys with one club 
I saw them tee off when we were out in the, the golf course. They probably played, I don't know if they played all 18, but two hours later, they're coming in with the same one club and these guys are wearing jumpers and sweatpants and tennis shoes and, and they're playing whatever game. And it was just so casual. It reminded me of like pickup basketball, you know, and not, not like this. I said this on the first pod, but like we have all this reverence for golf. And, and I think a lot of people interpret that as putting golf on a pedestal or putting it behind the glass protective gear and, and don't touch it. Don't play it too much. You know, don't, don't let the, the thousands of people on it. Just, just, keep it, keep it pristine. You know, that's, that's not reverence to me. I think reverence is, um, use it, you know, use the, the hell out of it. And, and they do, man, they, they open their courses up, they play a ton, they do stuff like that. And, uh, it just looked, those guys looked like they were having so much fun. And, and I remember just saying, man, I, I just hope we can see more of that in, in, in our country. And I know you can, I'm not saying you don't, but, um, the pretension, it, it, it's not there. The, the respected tradition is there, but the pretension's not. It's just about playing a game. Brora, any other thoughts on Brora? No. It was, it, it, it I've heard people say the phrase like, you know, hit it, find it, hit it again. It, it embodied that because you could literally hit it anywhere and you just hit it, find it, go hit it again. And so it, it made for such a simple, you know, uh, not overthinking anything. You know, you're just going out there playing golf. I, I mean, we between the four of us that round, I think we, we sprayed it all over the place off the tee many, many times and probably heard our caddy. We had a four caddy. Probably heard him say 20 times that day, Dan. Like, oh, you'll find that. Oh, yeah, you'll be all right over there. Like, it didn't, it didn't matter where you hit it. Just hit it. Go find it. The group, like someone was like fifty yards left of the fairway, and someone's like, "It'll be fine over there, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, it'll be fine." <laughs> that that was uh, that was the joke in our group too, because Caldwell would he was hitting it all over the place that afternoon, and, and he would block one like sixty yards right, and he'd hear, "That's fine." And every time Mark <laughs> heard, "That's fine," and you guys know Mark's sense of humor is is unique to say the least. Every time he heard that's fine, Mark was like on his knees laughing. He goes, how is that fine? Like, how is that possible? <laughs> there was one, I forget if it was Brian or Kyle, but there was one where he's like, I'll be honest, I don't know about that one. Very similar. That's We already talked about Royal Dornick. So we played Royal Dornick again. And then we um, we go to Tain, Tain Golf Club. Golf Club. Now, this was one that... Uh, is not on most people's lists. People don't visit this place. We were told that by the club. I was told that by other people when we were signing up the trip. Um, I will be honest. I just was looking at a list of kind of courses up there and I saw it was an old Tom, an original old Tom. And that's what initially drew it to me. So I didn't do a ton of background and um, ran it by some people that had been, they're like, Oh yeah, it's pretty cool. But uh, you can't really go wrong in, in Highlands. If we would have picked anywhere else, probably Goldsby would have been the next uh, that I hear is fantastic. But uh, what were you guys' thoughts of Tain? Yeah, so I, I loved Tain. It was you know maybe top four for me of the trip. Uh, to- totally under the radar. You know, had no expectations going into it. Um, first time meeting Dan. Um, and so that was really cool because we had not played together or even like really met, I don't think on the trip yet. And, um, we had, so it was Dan and I and John blue. And, um, so just a really solid little, you know, threesome uh, going back to, you know, caddy, kind of like a fun caddy. He's like a, a welder, you know, um, that just does this on the side kind of thing. And, uh, I just remember so many good lines he had, like, uh, what was one, like I, I sprayed it as I did a lot that afternoon and, and he called it, he's like, Oh, it's a son-in-law. And I was like, what's that? He goes, not what you hope for. <laughs> <laughs> not what you were hoping for. Uh, and so, uh, you know what, but as far as the course goes, I, you know, I think I, I like variety in a course, I think more than, and maybe I'm saying stating the obvious here, but like, I just like to mix it up where like that course, it seemed to have, like, you go back into like the, the forest, you know, I think it was one of the first times we like saw a forest. Um, so there was a couple holes like along the forest. 
Um, and then I didn't think there were going to be any holes on the water, you know, and if you go through that, what, what was it? The, the mounds hole, what, what, what were that, whatever that hole was called. And there's like the ocean on the other side or the bay or the firth or whatever. So, um, it was just a combination, kind of a similar, kind of similar vibe to Brora, where it was like an afternoon round, great weather. The vibes were just strong, c- cool group. And, and, you know, had a lot of fun, um, playing sheep running around kind of, you know, same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian. Uh, yeah, I, I would echo that. I mean, it, it was a, just another, what I would call just the, the afternoon vibe rounds. I mean, they were, they were perfect. They were the right, uh, the, the, the right amount of like cool golf course, but just like low key, no frills. Um, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of what stood out the most about Kane, but it was, I think just by any metric, by any ranking, it was, you know, probably the, the, the least anticipated, the, the lowest, you know, ranking course that we played, but um, just so far exceeded expectations. It was such a fun, fun day. Um, I, oh, you, you mentioned uh, how everybody said, don't go there or, or nobody recommended it necessarily. Stuart, our bus driver, who I assume we're going to do a whole segment on, on Stuart. At some There's point. Yeah. <laughs> a legend. He gets his own. Uh, he gets his own trilogy. <laughs> he he said we were only the second group he's ever taken to Tain, and and that that kind of surprised me. Made it made me feel pretty pretty fucking cool, uh, if I'm being honest. But uh, no, I, I I thought you put Tain, which again was understated, underheralded, whatever. You put it in Chicago, it would you could charge 200 bucks and, and it would, the T-sheet would be full every single day because it, sure. was, it was cool. It had quirk, it had charm and it was just fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame people don't go there because it is, you know, similar to classic links style, firm turf, just um, really fun bounce shots into the greens and the land was really cool. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't, you know, the Royal Dornick and the Cruden Bay going up and over hills and stuff, but it was, you just like kind of the rumpled fairways up down little little mounds um it's it's a cool place i i felt like it's funny you say you know pick it up and move it to chicago brian because um even the town of tain i just felt like this was a locals golf club and mm-hmm. and it uh i think tain's a pretty working class town and uh, you know, no, there wasn't a there ton wasn't of members out there we were playing a little later in the day although we had plenty of members that were caddying for us but I, I just felt like, man, this is a place I would want to be a member for sure. I could never get bored of this golf course. Um, very inviting, very, just no, no BS, no frills, just, just good golf. And like, even the road that you play over on one and 18, like there were just people on that road. Every time I played it, I felt like someone was going to get whacked, but, uh, there was just people, you know, out jogging, walking their dogs up and down that, that road. And they're asking, you know, how's your game? And I just love that stuff. Last thing that really stuck with me on, on Tane was, uh, well, first the rainbow. I don't know if you guys, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, yeah. we saw full, full gambit end to end. That was, that was seeing 24 adult men gawking at a rainbow is, is also <laughs> like a, a big moment in your life. Um, but when we were, uh, uh, gosh, was it, I think it was I, before everybody else got in, I was with the, the, the speed monster, Kent Monas. So I was, you know, chug, breathing deep to keep up with them as quickly as he plays, but, uh, we're, um, which we love him for shout out Kent. Um, <laughs> the range was packed with kids and, and it was, I'm talking 40, 50 kids and it, it totally just made me think of that. Um, and maybe one adult too. I mean, it did not seem like there was a lot of supervision, uh, but it made me think of that old Tom quote, which, you know, we were all born with web feet and a golf club in our hand and back to my earlier statement of just, it's a way of life for them, or it's a part of life over there for them. Um, you could see it very clearly why, why you know, it, it, so- soccer here is kind of like the default, I guess, activity for, for kids. Maybe I know it's not the, the main sport growing up, but, um, it just felt like that was so normal to see. And for me, it's like, I go to a lot of golf clubs. I don't see 50 kids 
all on the range at the same time, you know, swinging and not killing each other. Uh, I thought that was so cool. <laughs> uh, I think it, it speaks to the, the, the depth, like it, it showcases the depth of talent that they have over there. It's just incredible that like this little nondescript town, nondescript golf course was just amazing and so much fun. Isn't there some stat talking about all the kids, Matt, about how many people play golf in Scotland, like a percentage? What was it something crazy like 60% of people in Scotland play golf? Yeah, it sounds about right. I think that's about right. Yeah. Someone, Stuart, was sharing that with us, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Everybody, for the most part, is a golfer. Right. And, I mean, it's, and, it's in your blood. Yeah. And, and you know, it, they have to be with all these great golf courses, right? Because because it, and it makes sense to hear that number because I don't know what the overall population of Scotland is, but all these great world-class golf courses, a lot of them out on the outskirts of the sea, right? Links courses, a lot of them not though. I, I, I heard another stat that, you know, majority of rounds in Scotland are actually played inland. And yes, everybody wants to get out to the links every so often, but you know, they live closer to the inland courses just as we do. So, um, that, that's, that blows your mind too. When you think about it, that all those, these links courses aren't their, their mainstays. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, it's fascinating, but, but the, for their clubs to have, you know, 2000 members, a lot of them and, and not a, a massive population. I mean, you gotta have a lot of golfers, you know, so massive, not massive population. I just looked up tame 3,500 oh, 50 <laughs> kids on the range on a Wednesday or whatever that day was Tuesday crazy so cool well we got to our final golf course which is nairn uh on the way out brian you want to tell us uh an anecdote about nairn i thought i think you were the one that had <laughs> it's 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 the best dad joke i've heard in a while but man it, it still <laughs> makes me laugh I'll, I'll i'll take the honor as, as the as the dad or one of the dads on, on the call here uh we were sitting at the hotel bar uh at uh in Inverness and this somehow this this like 65 year old I think heart surgeon had ended up uh sitting sitting around the bar with us and was was talking to us and he goes you want to hear a joke like about Naren because we're talking about playing Naren the next day and he goes yeah there we go yeah sure tell us and he goes what's the or, or you know what's the fastest town in Scotland pause for a dramatic effect <laughs> we probably told that joke <laughs> 700 times the rest of the week. Uh, uh, I think I played with you at Nairn. You told me that on the first hole. We probably sounded like (laughs) idiots to our caddies because we said it that way for the (laughs) remainder of the day. Uh, Yeah, it's just a good one. But what what, what were you guys' thoughts for Nairn? So, you know, for me, this was, you know, what I happened to be reading during the trip, uh, Tom Coyne's um, you know, course called Scotland. And so it was kind of cool. And I was keeping up with where I was in the book to some of the course we were playing. And so I remember kind of reading, you know, that about that right before we played it. Um, and he references a lot in the book about the classic, like nine out, nine in. Um, and I think that embodies that style, you know, almost as much as any course we played where it's like, those nine holes straight along the water and it is nine holes back um, from like a little jog here and there, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so that being said, going back to like the comment maybe four about Tane, where like, I like the variety of Tane, I guess just for me personally, like I, I felt like it lacked variety, you know, the course is like great, you know? So it's again, like uh, we're, we're getting really picky about like, which steak do you like? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So it's just among awesome courses. uh, It wasn't, you know, my personal favorite just because I felt it, it lacked a variety, which is something that's big for me in in, in judging a course. So, yeah. Yeah. Dan. That front nine was a beast into the wind. I, uh, I had the joy of watching Rich Height shoot 37 and had us five down through nine or six down through nine, excuse me. Um, and, uh, but it was, I mean, uh, similar to Tim, it was not my favorite course on the trip, but I thought from like a challenge, like a proper challenge, like it is a proper challenge, really well bunkered golf course, um, challenging greens. Um, it makes sense that they had the Walker cup there. Like I, I, 
I totally see how that course can challenge the best amateurs and, and frankly, the best pros in the world. Um, and one thing that I also will never forget is whatever the uh, par five, eight, seven or eight that's out at the end. Uh, I got, I had the joy of blasting one way right into the beach and got to hit from the beach back to the fairway and still managed to par. And what, one of my favorite holes in Scotland for being able to do that. Of course. You just go down and play it. <laughs> well, Brian, I think you got that pleasure as well. Didn't you out on the beach? First hole, yeah, hit, uh, hit a, hit a great drive, shanked my second shot, like 30, 40 yards onto the beach. And, and I was just, okay, I'm going to drop whatever my caddy was insisting like, no, 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 we'll, we'll find that. And it was 40 yards out there. Sure enough, found <laughs> it, uh, put it on the green and it was one of my favorite shots. One of the favorite holes of the trip. Uh, yeah. but Naren, I, I think Naren, Naren felt Naren. somewhere. <laughs> it, it felt like it had, uh, been surgically enhanced for an old course. Uh, it, it felt like it had been modernized. It felt like, you know, Dan mentioned it had hosted some events. Like it, it, it didn't have that like rugged, uh, you know, authentic feeling to me that, that Dornick did, even though it was, it was that old, it was kind of, you know, it felt in between like a Dornick and a Castle Stewart to me. You know, that like grass greens, which was different from what we didn't. That's see. true. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think it made me think of that ideological debate in golf, like, should it be fair? Should it not be fair? Is golf fair? You know, and I felt like one of the, one of the things I love about Lynx golf is it's definitely not fair. And it's definitely, you know, much more variable and you got to roll with the punches and you got to adjust to the wind and you got to adjust to all the variables and things don't always go your way. And sometimes you hit a shitty shot and it does go your way. And I, I actually love that element of Lynx golf. For some reason, I felt like Nairn was a little fighting that because it is a Lynx course. It's right there on the Firth and, um, uh, you know, to Tim, your point, it's out and back and you get a lot of that traditional links golf but there's just something about it that it felt like it wanted to be a bit more fair of a test and and yeah totally not surprised the walker clubs there right like it it felt like an amateur championship golf course and and a really really good test and the best golfers probably gonna win you know the person that's playing the best hitting the best shots the shot values all that felt really really in play at at Nairn, which isn't a knock. Like if if people prefer that, that's definitely going to be their favorite. Um, I think Shane Bacon, who uh, you know, did did a thing similar to this about his trip to Scotland. That Nairn was his number one over everything, and I I can see people that that say that. I totally get it. The one thing uh, uh, Nairn that I I wish we would have made a little bit more time for, because I've I'm like a amateur historian now. I, I just get into it. I just really enjoy hearing where things come from and their origins. Um, walking with the uh, the club historian in the archives, which are somewhat hidden, kind of in like a old quadrant of the the clubhouse in a, in an attic. Um, they're pretty open about it. If he's available, he'll he'll make time for for people. I think that are visiting. But he did make time for us. We just had to get on the bus and, and get going because Stuart was about at his hours. And uh, right as we were leaving, though, he he flipped the old manuscript of the club all the way back. And I'm going to pull it up real quick because I it sat with me all, all the way back to the first thing written. You know, the guys that started this club and it started as many did as in all male clubs. So that's the only thing in the wording that I would change. But um, gosh, where is this? Da, da, da. While you're looking for that, I'll tell one little side story. I played with uh, Jim Sitar that day and had to listen to him talk up the halfway house, the entire front nine about how <laughs> it's like the best halfway house in all of golf. And so like, I am just jonesing for this halfway house. Like, I'm like, what is this thing? And uh, we come upon it and it's like the coolest two buildings are like, uh, I'm trying to describe them. One's like a half, like a, a half mound uh, covered in grass, and then just another really cool, uh, art, old school architecture building, all white. Um, and it turns out they're old like fisheries, or I guess it's where they would, you know, go fishing and bring them in and and, and salt the fish. Um, and uh, so like can't can't wait. We get up there, 
closed. <laughs> Son of a... That's sick. Um, I found it. So the first bylaw at Nairn is as follows. A meeting of gentlemen interested in the game of golf. And I thought that was so cool. And then they had, you know, the names of the original members. And then they had a couple rules about the, you read the rules are pretty funny. I, I wish I would have written those down too, but um, you know, you're talking about one of the earliest clubs in Scotland. I just think it's so simple sometimes. Like, I think that's a revelation I have with Scottish golf too, is uh, how we maybe complicate things here. And we try to make it more than it is. And we try to make about all these other things, but at the end of the day, it's a meeting of people interested in the game of golf, right? Just you're, we're all interested in playing this game and that's, that's meet up and do it. And it's, I just, I just love that. I had to write it down, but then we had to run because we had to get to St. Andrews, carry on the trip, have a pint with Stuart at, uh, <laughs> Stuart, Stuart might be the feature, uh, on, maybe we can get him on the pod. That would be a legend. <laughs> Also, one quick uh, translator. One quick, quick Stuart story. Uh, we were up in the front of the bus near Stuart, and somehow, like the Loch Ness monster came up, and uh, we're like, "Stuart, like, what, what's your take on the Loch Ness monster?" And he just goes, without skipping a beat, "It's in my trou- It's in my trousers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my. I got it right here for it. Yeah, he was. Oh man, he was just had plenty of those too. You had to, you had to stay yeah. quick. I think a lot of us would miss him. Um, good one-liners there dan asked a question on so we talked about a lot of great golf and uh dan asked this question a while ago was if you had one of these courses to play every day of your life uh which one would it be and also if you had one round left in your life which round where where would you play so out of these six I want I want one one course that you would play every day for the rest of your life, and one course that you would get to play only once before uh, the end. We'll start with okay. you, Tim. Uh, can they? It's Crew and Bay for both answers for they me. Can be both, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I would. I want to play it once again, and I would. I'd say every day, like I would join that club out of all the it would be my answer for the whole trip actually too of like which i would like join to play um i just loved it that much maybe if they if you join they'd let you buy that driver yeah <laughs> that's it <laughs> i would say cruden bay for one round um for sure and maybe for the entire trip also um and then to play every day the rest of my life for uh definitely Brian? I think uh, I uh, Brewer is the course for every day for the rest of my life, hands down, no question. Uh, legitimately retire there and, and play golf until 10.30 at night every day uh, in the summer. Um, and one round, I mean, one round might also be Brewer. I'm going to say Dornick because Dornick was just a different kind of special um, where, you know, uh, the, the right mix of, of history uh, uh, scenic, quaint, uh, but but big in scale. Like it, it had everything. It definitely had everything. But I, I think Brora would be. I, I would. I would retire to Brora tomorrow. <laughs> we'll visit each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I'm I'm crude in Bay for the uh, uh, everyday course with you with you Tim and then. Uh, Royal Dornick for that one more special round. Just uh, there's something that does feel, I mean, they all have vistas, they all have views, but uh, what Royal Dornick had was reveals. And, and every so often you just crest a hill and you're not expecting it. You come over and you're like, man, is this heaven? I think I'm in heaven. Uh, so <laughs> I think, I think that, um, but they're also great. So gentlemen, thanks for uh, joining us. We're at the hour for this, this Highlands edition of the Scottish, uh, recap or international fixture. Um, any, any closing thoughts, anything for, before we go, go to Scotland, play golf, go to Scotland, <laughs> play some golf. When are we going back? <laughs> it's funny. You, you mentioned at the end of this series, we're, we're going to announce something pretty cool that we're working on with our friends <laughs> in St. Andrews. So, uh, excited to share that on the next episode. So that's the the hanging teaser 
uh, at the end of that one, we're going to let everybody know exactly what that is. But um, yeah, guys, it's good to see you. I feel like you were my brothers in arms in, in, <laughs> in pubs and golf courses for, for 10, 14, 14 straight days with Dan. And uh, well, it, it's just nice to at least see your faces here tonight. <laughs> no. Pleasure. All right, fellas. Take care. See you guys. Today's episode of The Bag Drop was brought to you by our partners, True Temper, Golf Blueprints, and this July's official partner of the Summer Medal in Northern Michigan, Journeyman Distillery. Journeyman Distillery has been distilling artisan spirits for over a decade in their historic Featherbone factory in the one-stoplight town of Three Oaks, Michigan. Grain-to-bottle and certified organic, kosher, and gluten-free, these are award-winning whiskeys. Check out their full line of spirits over at Journeyman Distillery on all social or journeymandistillery.com.